Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. While you're standing, let me just read my text to you. It's very lengthy. 1 Peter chapter 2 and just one verse. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. That's it. Men of the world and authority all the way up to a king are to be honored. The brethren, however, are distinguished as different. They are to be loved. And the one who is to be feared is God. And tonight I'm going to speak to you on the subject when fear becomes respect. When fear becomes respect. God bless you. You may be seated. Every need supplied. Boy, that, fit, that fits what I want to talk to you about tonight. Every need supplied. Parents are the first examples of God. I want you to think about this for a minute. Parents are the first examples of God. My dad was a provider. My dad was a protector, and my dad loved me. And my mother saw to it that we ate, that we were taken care of when we were sick, and both of them saw to it that we were corrected when we were wrong. They become the first example, I can't stress this enough, parents, that they are the first examples of what God is to children. And God, in his infinite wisdom, makes children smaller than their parents. There's a reason for that. The reason is, is that they have to learn first to fear wrong and understand that there will be consequences when you do what is wrong. Now, in our family, we had For a short time, we had three boys and one girl. We lost my brother Jimmy at a very, very early age. But I was the oldest, and so I became the guinea pig for the other three. And they're always harder on the first one. Do you ever hear parents talk this way? You know, when I have kids, boy... They're going to toe the line. They act up just a little bit, man. We're going to be in the back in the bathroom, and there's going to be some action. And then you're going to get it when you get home, too. And they are tougher on the first one. By the time they got to Linda, we had them wore out. 
Why, my, I'll tell you how wore out they were. My sister, who was not supposed to be driving a car, was not of age, did not have a license, drove the car out the wrong end of the garage, and she got nothing for it. I would have been beaten half to death if I would have done such a thing, but we wore them out. Wore them down. I got lots, of, I never had a time out in my life. Time out? The, the term was tune up. Not time out. I'll meet you in the bedroom. I knew what that meant. And you bend over that bed and you get walloped. That's how you learn. My dad thought that my behind was connected to my brain. So he started on my behind to get the message up here. And you know what? That's what I needed. Spare the rod, spoil the child. You've heard it. It won't harm him. The, ch the chastening for the moment, well, it doesn't seem good for the moment, but you know what? It works pretty well. We do need to be chastened. Even after we're children, even now, I'm looking mainly at adults here right now, we still get chastened of the Lord, don't we? We still get corrected. We, we still go to the woodshed every once in a while. None of us is perfect. We're all still learning, no matter what our age is. But I remember that, that I had a fear of doing what was wrong and knowing what the consequences would be. And that is a good thing, folks. It is a good thing to have fear. If you don't have fear, you'll put your hand on a stove. If you don't have fear, you, you might wander out into the water that's over your head and you could drown. And I learned to respect things and I learned to respect people from my parents who were my first examples of God. They taught me about respecting God and country and my elders and my teachers and the police department and most importantly, them. I learned all of that from my parents. I learned that at home. I didn't learn that in school. I learned that at home. And sometimes if I didn't get the message, I had to be corrected. But I earned every one of them. I probably earned even more than what I got. But it didn't hurt me. It helped me. And here's my point. Initially, it's fear, but it grows into respect. Because I learned that my dad was right most of the time, and I was wrong as a child most of the time. Because when I was a child, I thought as a child. Isn't that what the scripture said? I act as, as a child. But when I became a man, my fear turned into respect, turned into respect. I think we're lacking in our society with respect. We've lost our fear. I'll, I'll tell you one thing my dad taught me. He said, two things, Rick. 
I will never tolerate. I, I know you're going to make mistakes. I know it. I made them. You're going to make them. That's okay. You'll make mistakes. But two things I will not tolerate. Number one, don't you ever lie to me. Don't you ever lie to me. And number two, don't you ever come between your mother and I. If you ask me something and I say no, and I find out that you went to your mother and asked her, and you tried to divide us for lying and for dividing us, you will get it twice as bad. Because you know what? There's going to be a day when you're going to go, and she's still going to be here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is any of this true for any of you? Did any of you go through this? And so at first, you feared, but later, you respected. Now, my son's not here tonight, so I'm, I'm going to talk about him. I'm very proud of my son. I'm very proud of my daughter as well. But my son does not, does not call me Rick. He calls me Dad. Hey, Dad. Can I do this for you, or do you need help with that? He does not call me Rick. When I was raised, I called the neighbor Mr. or Mrs. or Miss. I didn't say, I, didn't, I never called a neighbor by his first name. He was Mr. Fisher. He was Mr. Roberts. That's respect. You, you need to respect your elders. That's not old-fashioned. That's fashioning. We should still have that kind of an attitude. Now, I know that there are going to be some people here who say, well, I'm happy for you, Brother Kylie. You know, you had good parents, and they did right by you, but I didn't have good parents. Well, here's your chance to be one. If we're truly born again, if the past is truly under the blood, we don't have to live as we once lived. We can be better parents. My dad, I, I know you get tired of hearing this, but my dad always told me, I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be better than me. Be the best parent you can be. Now, God watches over children that are abused spiritually or in a family. Here, take a look at Matthew 18, 3 through 6. 18, 3 through 6. The conclusion of which, here it says, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted, become as little children, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. For whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom. Five, and whosoever shall receive one little child in my name receiveth me. Six, but whosoever, watch this, shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it'd be better for him that he were millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. He is watching the little children. He'll make it right. He'll do the right thing. We need to trust him. Secondly, I was taught to fear God. 
Did you ever notice in the scripture how when angels appear with either a message or, or they have an act that they are supposed to perform on behalf of God, that usually the first words they say are fear not? Because their appearance or their voice is enough to scare you half to death. So they have to say, oh, take it easy, relax. Fear not. Because we are born with a fear of God. We are born with a fear of God, and we should fear God. Let me read this passage to you from Revelations chapter 19 and verse 14. This will happen in the future. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he would smite the nations, rule them with a rod of iron, and treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. When he returns, all he will have to do is speak. And it happens. And his wrath, as it's being unleashed, causes the people and the armies of Satan that have come against Israel in the, in the valley of Armageddon, he will bring the mountains together. And that is what becomes the winepress, and they are the grapes. The grapes. Statistically, let me give you a few statistics on when he brings these mountains together. The blood will flow out of the valley of Armageddon 184 miles. The depth of the blood will be, according to the horse's bridle, which goes between four and six feet. So the average would be five feet from the ground to a horse's bridle. Five feet tall, 184 miles. What a lake that's going to be. A lake of blood that flows out of Armageddon. That's a God that you should fear. I mean, for him to just take his arms and, and bring mountains together, that, that's somebody that should, is worthy of being feared. Our God can heal or he can curse. He can bring disease. He can bring pestilence. There isn't anything that he can't do. We talk about his mercy and we talk about his grace, but we also need to talk about his holiness and his power and his judgment. We need to. Let me show you just the releasing of his glory, what it does to the human body. In Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 12, just as we were talking about Armageddon, verse 12 says, this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. Their eyes shall consume in their holes and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. You will melt. Your eyes will melt. Your body will melt just by him releasing what he is. It's too much for humanity to withstand in his presence. And so all he has to do is release his glory. And we melt. 
When God pronounces his judgments, there is no argument. There is no debate. There are no excuses. Look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's no debating. There's no arguing. This is the way it is. That's somebody that should be feared. And you know what? Most of us came to God with fear. But I pray that our fear has become respect and appreciation. I was afraid of going to hell. Were you? I was. Consider this, that we fear the wrong ones. Matthew 10 and 28 Jesus said, fear not them that kill the body, but they're not able to kill your soul. Fear him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's Jesus. That's the one you should be afraid of. But instead, we fear the one in Isaiah 14 and 12. Listen to the discussion about Lucifer in Isaiah 14 and 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? You are cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. Now listen to the five I wills of Lucifer. For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you are brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. And they that see thee narrowly shall look upon thee and consider thee, saying, this is what you're going to say about Satan when you see him. Is this the man? that made the earth to tremble and did shake kingdoms? Is this all he is? Was I intimidated by this? And the five wills never happen. It's all a lie. It's all pride that God does not allow. I know this sounds rough, but I'm going to say it. God eliminates all competition. He destroys all false gods. You don't think so? Go back to the 12 plagues of Egypt. Every one of their gods were embarrassed and defeated and false. It will be the same with Lucifer. And he knows his time is short. And he knows he doesn't have the power that God has. But he hates God. And he does all he can to hurt God through you. Because he can't hurt God. He doesn't have that kind of power. Always remember this, Hebrews 13 and 6. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. I will not 
fear what man shall do unto me. But on, an, on the other hand, we can be moved by fear. Hebrews 11 and 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, he moved. He moved with fear. And he prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. He moved with fear. Are we still moved with fear? Am I still afraid of hell? Let me ask some questions tonight. Am I still afraid of hell? Am I still afraid of disappointing God? Letting him down? This is my opinion, so if you don't like it, I believe that one of the things that the Holy Ghost is is an amplified conscience. You were born with a conscience. You knew right from wrong before you ever looked at a Bible, before you ever heard your parents speak. It was born in you. You were born with a conscience. But now that you have the Holy Ghost, it's even worse. When you first came into the church, any little thing that you did wrong, oh, it was upsetting to you. I am, I am so disappointed in myself, Lord. I apologize. I'm going to work on that. You and I are going to work on this together. I'm not making any excuses. I'm not blaming anybody else. That's what the Spirit of God did for us. It, it was the goodness of God that was leading us to repentance. We don't get away with anything. Do we? There, I'll tell you what you should be afraid of. You should be afraid of not feeling guilty when you do wrong. That's what you should be afraid of. If you who were once lost are now saved and you can do wrong things and it doesn't bother you, you are in a fearful position. Fearful. Listen to this. Can I cheat and have no fear? Can I lie and it doesn't bother me? Can I swear, even take the name of the Lord in vain and no fear? Can I look at pornography, wrong movies, things I shouldn't be viewing? And have no fear? Can I offend other people and say, I don't care? Get over it or get out, I don't care. And the most important question of all can I go back to what I once was and the things I once did and have no fear? Can I do that? Listen to the man who wrote over half of the New Testament was the apostle 
to the Gentiles in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. And hear what he says. I fear, lest while preaching to others, I myself should become a castaway. He was afraid. Afraid he wouldn't finish. Not afraid of the position he was in, but afraid of the position he could be in. Now I'm just going to talk to you from my heart here. It's not in my notes. Some of the greatest men I've ever known, and women, who I admired, have fallen. And some of them were in pulpits preaching tremendous messages and had strong ministry and were living two lives. But you can be sure that your sin will find you out. It will eventually come to the surface. You will be exposed. And it really bothered me for a long time. The greatest preacher I ever heard, I'll just give you his first name. The greatest preacher I've ever heard in my life, his first name was Mark. I mean, this guy, he could get on a, on a platform and preach and have you almost spellbound. And I'm not just talking about with stories. I'm talking about with his knowledge of the word. I, was, I just couldn't hardly speak when I heard the guy preach. Tremendous. And came to find out that for many years he was living a double life and doing all the wrong things that he preached against. And I thought, God, why would you use a guy like that? I mean, why don't, you know, remember last time I talked to you, I said sometimes we like to say, man, just give me one example of a zapper. Take that guy out. Let that be a lesson to everybody. You act like that, that's what you're going to get. Why don't you do that to Mark? So that all of the ministry knows that they can't live a double standard. And God said, it isn't the first time I've used a donkey. Follow God. Follow his word. Follow his spirit. Not man. All men and all women are susceptible. And you're going to find out whether or not you have a walk with God or a walk with people. God forbid that we ever get to the point, Pastor, where we think we don't even need the anointing. We don't need to pray. We don't need to fast. We don't need to study. We, we are so good at this, brother. And we've got 10 or 15 messages that we could preach in any place and they would go nuts. We don't need the anointing. We can do this ourselves. Boy, you better be afraid of that. I remember one person recently asked me, 
Brother Kylie, you've been preaching a long time. Do you get nervous before you get in the pulpit? My answer is every time. Every time. You afraid you're going to say the wrong thing? Nope. I'm not afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm afraid I might disappoint God. Because I know who I am without him. Without him, I'm nothing. And so are you. And you should, afra- you should be afraid to be nothing. Let me read this to you from Romans chapter 12, verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, And neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, birds, four-footed beasts, creeping things. And wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Watch this change. They changed the truth of God into a lie. They worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And for this cause, because they did these things, God gave them up unto vile affections. Even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their which was meat." And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now, you know how I like to play games with words, so I'm going to do it again. Take a look at the word knowledge. Two words, know and ledge. When you know what is right, you're standing on the edge of a cliff. That's the ledge. And if you continue after you know, over the cliff you go. That's knowledge. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge knows, but wisdom applies. Knowledge knows, but wisdom applies. And notice this too. Notice this reprobate mind here he talked about. You know what a reprobate mind is? You might have a footnote in your Bible. Mine says, a mind void of judgment. What was once wrong is now right. And what was once right is now wrong. It's backwards. It's twisted up. How does that happen? 
Remember I talked about how men and women can fall? I'll tell you how that happens. Frog soup. Just a little bit at a time. And you keep advancing, and you keep doing the wrong things, and you keep flirting and think you can pull back at any time, and pretty soon you're in over your head, and you're doing something you would have never dreamed of doing because you went one step at a time, just a few degrees at a time. Remember, sin always takes you farther than you intended to go and costs you more than you were willing to pay. Reprobate. You pull on the rubber band long enough and pretty soon it will snap or at a minimum, it will not come back to its strength or elasticity. That's a reprobate. And that's how they do it. Reprobate mind. And when you get a reprobate mind, you're filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, 29, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God. Boy, it sounds like a description of our generation. Despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to their parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, and who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but they have pleasure in them that do them. Wow. Romans 2 and 1. And then he talks to the church and says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou hast judged, doeth the same things. God forbid that these should be in the church. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And you think, O oh man, that judges them which do those things, and you do the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Do you have no fear? Hmm. Let me give you one more example. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul. Acts 19, 11. So then from his body were brought unto, unto the sick, handkerchiefs or aprons, diseases departed from them, the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were, some se there were some seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell. Fear fell on them all, 
And when it did, the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. They were believers, but they had impurities. And many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together, burned them before all men, and counted the price of them and found that 50,000 pieces of silver so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Their fear had become respect. I think it's true of us periodically as the church of the living God We periodically need to take inventory. Just as companies take inventory of their stock, so should we of our soul. We need to do some soul searching, some house cleaning, maybe a bonfire of music, movies, magazines, cigarettes, drugs, alcohol. Why? Because we still fear God and we still respect his will and his wishes for our life. We need to take a look at ourselves. It's so easy to look at the world and say, oh, the terrible, terrible things that they're doing. I can't control what happens in Portland, Oregon or Chicago, or any other city you want to be. I can't do anything about that. But I'll tell you one guy that I can work on, and that's Rick Kiley. And Rick Kiley needs to look in a mirror and let God speak to him. Search me, O God. Isn't that what David said? And see if there's any evil in me. Reveal it to me so that I can repent because I still fear you to the point that I now respect you and I wouldn't want to disappoint you or hurt you in any way. Listen to this passage here in Matthew 24 and 3. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in the holy place? Here's who. He that has clean hands a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Let's stand together. Ephesians chapter 5. Here's the answer. The answer to your fear becoming respect and appreciation for what God's done. Ephesians 5 and 18, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. But here's the answer, be filled with the Spirit. Aren't you glad for new wine? The new wine that Jesus spoke about. The new wine. Jesus, we pray tonight, help us to be willing to take an inventory of our own lives Help us to continue to be fearfully and wonderfully made, but also fearful of your word. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. 
If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.